love you because of what you've done for us, Lord. Help us to be mindful of that. We put this in your name. Amen. So what we're going to kind of do real quick is just go through some contextual things, just look at the context of the passage before we just, and we'll go verse by verse is what we're going to do and, and just kind of dissect that. Um, and you probably ask, why is context an important thing? I think that we all realize that if we watch any media, if we watch anything right now, we know that context is a big deal, right? Um, we need to know what's going on, who the audience is, who the author is, um, just, just so we understand the passage the way it's meant to be understood. So we look at the author of the passage. We all know that, we all probably in here know it's Paul. Um, we can see that in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. We can also see that in chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, Paul referenced himself as a prisoner of the Lord in those verses. If we go to the date, and I know you're probably thinking, why is the date so important? We just want to hear what this man has to say. But the date's super important, and I'll tell you why. The date was around A.D. 60, somewhere around there that Paul wrote this, this book to, to the believers in Ephesus. Super important because Paul was probably writing this letter from prison. And just think about that for a second, that this man was in prison, in a prison cell, and what did he have on his heart and mind? He had on his heart and mind to encourage other believers, to check in on other believers. Um, if I'm transparent, if I'm real with you, I probably wouldn't have done that. I would have been sulking. Um, I would have been asking God, God, you've left me. Why, why am I here? But that's not what Paul did. I think that's a great representation, a great example of how we ought to serve. You could also ask the question, how could a man in such circumstances do what he was doing? The reality is, is that when Jesus moves in, you ought to be different. Um, when Jesus moves in, he does something, he transforms your life, he transforms your heart. And we see that in Romans 12. 12 2 says that he ought to be transforming your mind, right? You ought not to look like the world. You ought to look more and more like him every day. And as we've already said, the audience that we're, that's, that's being spoken to in this letter is the believers in Ephesus. And we've probably got a mixed crowd of, of Gentiles and, and Jew, uh, Jews here in this church. Um, but that is, we are talking to believers in this uh, book. I want you to know this morning why. Paul was probably writing this letter. Um, if you look back in Acts, we know that Paul talked to a leader of the Ephesus church, of the Ephesian church, and he told, them, he told the man, he said, look out for false doctrine. He said, look out for false prophets. And as we read on, we actually find out that they did a great job of keeping that out of the church. They did a real good job. But if we look back over in Revelation, we'll see that they lost their first love, right? They, they ended up doing all the things that Paul told them to do, probably doing a lot of really good things. And it probably doesn't mean that they didn't start out loving Christ because they probably wouldn't have been there to begin with, right? But what it looks like is they lost their love for Christ and they lost their love for others. Uh, so Paul's probably writing this letter because he wants to remind them, remember what Christ has given to you. Remember who you are. Remember where you were at. And I think that's what we're going to see this morning is when we get, I believe, verse 7, 6 and 7, we'll see that our salvation is nothing for us to boast about in ourselves, but to boast about in Christ. Um, we'll jump into verse 1, and we'll just kind of take this one verse. I told Ron in the back that I had like 10 points, so we're going to be here for like three hours. No, I'm just playing. If, hey, if Dad was here, that might be a reality, but, um, but I won't bash him too bad up here. He's a good guy. Uh, 2-1, we'll start out there, and it just says, And you were dead 
in your trespasses and sins. So if we break that down, we see that, once again, the audience are, is believers. Paul says, and you were dead. So when Paul says you were dead, was that, is that something that's talking about physical death? Well, if we looked in the Old Testament, sin can lead to physical death, but it was talking about a spiritual death. That's what Paul's talking about here. When we all come into this world, we're born with a sin nature. We're all spiritually dead. Um, we're in need of a Savior. We're in need of salvation. That what, that's what Paul's getting to right here. And he says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. So we had trespasses and sins. So I think we can all attest that we've done things wrong in our life. We, we've all done things um, that we wish we wouldn't have. But the verse 1 actually says trespasses and sins. So I think something we need to realize today, and, and I'm hoping everybody in here is a, is a believer, but if you aren't, Something you need to realize today is that when you sin, you are trespassing against God. Uh, you have sinned against the holy God. Um, so something super huge to understand if you're going to come to Christ. So we move on to verse 2. And it says, In which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working, in the disobedience. So we're just going to kind of break this down into a threefold right here. It says, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world. So Paul uses the word previously a couple times throughout um, his passage right here. So we do understand that this, when he's talking about this, this is a way that we lived previously, right, before salvation. So we know there ought to be a change. We ought to be living for Christ now, not for ourselves. That doesn't mean you don't still mess up sometimes. It just means that your, your drive now is not for yourself, it's for Christ. And when, and, and when you have that drive, when Christ moves in, he does something. He transforms you. Um, he takes away some of that that you had before that won't descend. It says, according to the ruler of the power of the air. If you will, f flip over to 1 John five nineteen. We'll look at that real quick. I want y'all to realize that the ruler of the air is Satan himself. In 1 John 5, 19, it says, We know that we are of God, and the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. Who is the evil one? The evil one is Lucifer, it's Satan. Um, if you, and, and that's the reality is if you're not a Christian and you're walking the way of the world, you're walking the same way that Satan's uh, walking. He's, he's kind of the energizer of what's going on in the world. Um, one of the things that you could look at is what do we have in, if, if you're not a believer, what's, what's something you have in common with Satan is that you oppose God. Uh, that, that makes it pretty simple is that you oppose God and you're living for self. Um, and that does separate you from God, a, a perfect and good and holy God. Go on, it says, the spirit now working in the disobedient. And if you're wondering who the disobedient are, Paul's referencing unsaved people right here, those that oppose God. Um, in the grand scheme of things, this whole verse here is just talking about people that are living for self, um, self-glorification. Um, and the first point that 
uh, we were going to look at, look at here, and I totally skipped it, was man's depravity. We are depraved people. Uh, we are in need of a Savior. We are in need of Jesus Christ. Um, if we go back and we look at the Old Testament, we see the law what given down to Moses on Mount Sinai. When that law is given down, a lot of people will go, well, you know, that was something good for them to go by, and it was. But do you know what it really was for? It was to show them that they could not keep the law, that they needed a Savior, that they needed a Messiah. Um, all throughout, and you could go back and you could study it all the way from the beginning, all the way, all the way through the end of the Old Testament, that prophets, God had to send prophets and judges because the people couldn't keep the law. It was a continual cycle. Israel would be okay with God, God would be blessing, Pagan cultures would move in. Israel would accept those cultures. They would marry into these pagan cultures. They would uh, take on their ways. God would send a judge or a prophet and say, look, you got to get right. And they wouldn't. What would God do? He would, he would unleash his wrath. He would send judgment on Israel. That happened over and over again throughout the Old Testament. So man has a sin problem. We are no different than the Israelites were. We struggle with that just like they did. Um, sometimes we get caught up in looking and going, man, those Israelites, they messed it up, didn't they? We do it every single day. Um, and you're probably thinking, man, this guy's a downer. He's just calling us a bunch of, bunch of sinners. No, I just think that we got to remember where we came from. Sometimes if we're going to reach out to other people, love on other people, and love God the way that he deserves, we got to remember what he's done for us. Um, we all deserve death. We all deserve hell. Um, in all honesty, we don't even really deserve God to even take a glance at us. But he, but he loves us individually and as the church. Moving on into three. Verse three says, we too all previously lived. We see that word previously again. It says, lived among them in our fleshly desires. Carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts and were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. So as we go back to the beginning of this verse, we, we do see the word previously, but it says, lived among them in our fleshly desires. Does anybody in here struggle with their flesh? Oh, man, on a daily basis. Um, it's a constant uh, tug of war going on there. Spirit and flesh, just wrestling. But when Christ moved in, if, we, if we'll read our, read our word, if we'll pray, we do have the power through the Holy Spirit to overcome those things. God has given us that power. Um, a lot of times I hear people go, well, and we're going to talk about Romans 6 um, just a little bit later, but so many people will go, well, I'm a, I'm a human. I might as well go ahead and sin. No. Oh, man, Christ has, Christ has went to the cross for you. He has died for you. And if you have accepted him as your Savior, um, He's given you a way out of that. You don't have to walk that walk or live that way anymore. And we'll see more of that in Romans 6. Am I good? If we look a little further on into verse 3, it says, Carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. I know this is going to sound funny, but this is it's kind of like this. When you were, uh, when you were lost... You were a wild person to an extent. You did what you wanted to do. You thought what you wanted to think. Uh, whatever over here felt good, you went and did it. That's just that's who we are by nature as human beings. Um, if we move on into verse 3, it also says, and we, were, we're, and we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. 
So we see there we're no longer children under wrath, but we were. We were children under wrath. Uh, and, and you can ask the question, well, what is that wrath? What, what kind of wrath? The wrath of God. Um, it makes me think of uh, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he, he asked God, he, he asked the Father, he says, God, if it be your will, take this cup from me. Do you know what was in that cup? It was the wrath of God. Jesus knew, it wasn't that Jesus didn't want to go to the cross, but he knew what he was about to take on for the sins of man. Um, it was God's judgment. We were children under wrath, but then good news comes in verse 4. I'm glad we're to verse 4 now because you're probably thinking, man, there's, it, we know there's hope, but it sounds real hopeless, doesn't it? Well, we get to verse 4, and verse 4 says, But God. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us. God is rich in mercy. His love is rich. He has great love for us. So we see here that we get something that we don't deserve. What we do deserve, God's not going to allow it to happen. He's going to send the person of Jesus Christ. We move on into verse 5. We see that. We see that the person of Christ shows up on the scene. So God's grace is bestowed upon us through the person of Christ. Verse 5 says, Made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. So in case you don't know, and I hope most people in here do, but back in the Gospels, in Matthew, Jesus Christ, God sent his son um, through a virgin birth, um, sent his son down to earth. Um, he came and he died on the cross for our sins. Um, he, he, he hung on a cross. He died. Three days later, he rose from the tomb. That's what verse 5 is talking about. He took on the sins of man. It says, even though we were dead in trespasses. And, and, and I want to share this illustration with you because it kind of puts in perspective uh, kind of where we were at as humanity. So many times people go, man, I'm barely hanging on to God. You don't hang on to God um, at all. Uh, God's hanging on to you. Uh, there's, and, and I was talking to a, one of my friends a while back, and me and him were kind of talking about it, and he said, man, look, if I was hanging on to God, if it was up to me, I'd down myself to hell every day. That's who we are as human beings. Uh, we'd send ourselves to hell every day um, because that's what we would choose. We would choose ourselves if it wasn't for Christ. It says, you were saved by grace. When we think about that grace, think, think back to what God has done in your life. Think, think back to the moment that he saved you. Um, remember that this morning. But I did want to share with y'all an illustration real quick. When you think about God's grace and where we are as humans and what God has done for us, Think about a man on the bottom of the sea. Um, he isn't drowning, he's dead. Um, it's, not, it's not that he's flailing for air or that he just went under and he's sitting there fighting. Um, it's not, and God reaches down and picks him up out of the water. That's not the picture that the gospel paints to us. The picture that the gospel paints to us is a man that's dead on the very bottom of the ocean. Um, and he's been there ever since the beginning of time. And God reaches down and he picks that man up off the bottom and he gives him life. Um, that is the picture of the gospel. We move on into verse 6. It says, He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. Good news. If you are a believer and you know Christ, you have an inheritance waiting on you. 
Um, you, have a, you have an eternal home waiting on you. Christ made sure of that. Um, not only that, we also know that Christ is sitting on the right hand of the Father, and he's interceding for you. That is good news. If there's anything to get excited about, first it's your salvation, but it's the fact that Christ is interceding for you every single day. Um, that is, man, if there's anything that wanted, wanted to make me want to be charismatic, I'd be running around this building if, if I thought that was okay. Because that is, that's awesome. So we see that he also raised us up with him, was seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. I want you to understand something this morning. It isn't, it isn't through uh, being good. It isn't through um, coming, just coming to church. It isn't through giving a certain amount in tithes. It isn't through um, trying not to make state, mistakes. What it's through is it's through Jesus Christ. And we see that throughout these verses right here, that the only way to the Father is through the Son. The only way to heaven is through the Son, um, through Jesus. Verse 7 says, So that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. What is the kindness to us in Christ Jesus? It's, it's what he's done for us. It's what God laid out for us. And I want you to realize something this morning, that this wasn't, this wasn't something where, um, where God one day just decided, man, humanity messed up. Let me try and work this plan out wasn't anything like that. Uh, we see all the way back in Genesis 3, um, man messing up and God saying, I'm going to send the seed. I'm going to send the Son of Man to come and walk the earth. So we can see all the way back in Genesis that God had a plan. And we can know based on who he is that before he even created man, he had a plan. Um, so if you ever uh, doubt your salvation, because I know that can be a big thing in church sometimes, if you ever have any doubts, don't doubt it. God has had a plan since the beginning. He's had a, had a plan. He's had a purpose for his son and for us. Verse 8 says, For you are saved by grace through faith. Again, we see this come up. And this is not from yourselves. It's something we've got to understand today, that our faith is not on our own merit. It is not based on us, um, like I've already said, doing anything for salvation. Um, we have that salvation wouldn't even be possible if it wasn't what Christ, for what Christ did on the cross. We would be, uh, we would be hopeless if that would not have taken place. Uh, but we also got to remember that, uh, and we can take this back, and we're about to see in just a minute where it says uh, that we are his workmanship, but we've been created to do good, good works. So when we see that, we can see that we can also look back through time, and this has been something that's been real convicting me, convicting for me the last uh, couple of weeks is that what are you doing as a believer? What are you doing as a Christian? Because that's one of the things I wanted to get to this morning is, is that if we can look at what God's done for us, what are you doing for him? And I want to make sure you understand that, right? Because it ain't that you're just, you're just out here and I got to do these tasks for God. No, it's, it's loving God. It's, it's pursuing him and that he does his work through you. Um, Sometimes I think we get that flipped around backwards. I was listening to Pastor Mike. We, we've been attending Emmanuel for the last couple of weeks, probably about two months. And uh, last week he preached a sermon and he said, have a mind to work. Um, as believers, we should have a mind to work. I think too many times we think that being a Christian is going to be easy and that it's just going to be uh, walking in the door, sitting down and, 
and that's all we do all week. And there's nothing wrong with it. We, we should gather. Um, but God's called us to be Christians all throughout the week, all throughout the year. Um, and there's more to it than just checking something off every day. Um, and I don't want to put more to it than, and, and confuse you, but there is more to it. Just pursue God. Love God, and he'll use you. Be obedient. Verse 7 says, So that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith. Super important to understand today that you ask, what does it take to become a believer? What does it take to become a Christian? When Jesus knocks at the door, all it takes is just accepting that. Crying out to a, to a holy God and just saying, I need you. That is salvation. Believing in what Jesus did on the cross. Believing that he's still alive and that he rose from the grave after three days. Um, so many times we try and make it this hard thing and, and draw it out. But it's literally just crying out to a holy God and just saying, Lord, I'm a sinner and I know I need you. It's through faith. It says, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. Super important that we understand that. And I think when we start finally understanding that the way it, it needs to be understood, we'll see, see, see people in a different light than what we do. Um, how many times do, do we, and I'm talking about myself, how many times do we as the church um, stand back and go, man, what's that person doing over there? Man, they're horrible. You know, we'll look at lost people and we'll go, and, and a great example, um, Portland right now. We, anything on the news right now that you can see with anything going on in the streets, you're probably looking at it and you're going, that's horrible. Those people, it, and I'm going to be transparent with you, I've sat and I've watched some of that and I've said, those people deserve justice. And they do. I'm not, getting, I'm not condoning it. But can I tell you something this morning? We all deserve death. But we don't get it because of the gift of God. And we've got to remember that. Um, we've got to remember that God loved us, so we have to love people. Um, he's called us to that. Verse 9 says, Not from your words, so that no one can boast. Have any of y'all heard that casting crown song? I can't remember what it's called for the world. Um, but he talks about how the people, God's people from the church, we stand on our towers and we look down on people. Have y'all heard that? Any of y'all heard that? That's a real good song, but I just heard it like a week ago. I, when I heard it, I went crazy in the car, but um, I called my dad. I was like, you got to hear this song. But um, anyways, that's kind of where we're at as the church. Um, and I'm not talking, and I may be preaching to the choir this morning. Um, you, you may all be being uh, completely obedient to what God has called you to, but I think too many times we got to realize that um, we don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve grace. Um, and God's called us to go to a lost world and tell them, um, tell them about him. Verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So I want, you, I want us to see two things here, and then, I'll, and then I'll start wrapping it up. But two things I want us to see here is that for we are his workmanship. We are new creations. We are new creatures in God. When we come to salvation in Christ, uh, we are no longer our old, we lay our old selves down and, and we are new. We are new creatures in Christ. We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. So that's the and, and I've kind of already hit on this, but when we're we're created in Christ for good works, 
Um, it's like Romans 12.1 says. Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And what that means is that living for God isn't something that we get up every day and we go, I think I'll live for God today. And I'm going to go above and beyond by doing that. That's not what that is. Living for God is our reasonable service as Christians. When we accept Christ into our hearts, it's no longer about me. It's no longer about you. It's about what I can do for him because of what he's done for me. Um, too many times I think God is calling people in the church out to things and we don't want to move. Um, I'm a perfect, perfect example of that. Um, it makes me so uncomfortable to get up and speak. But when God tells us that we need to do something, many times we run, but if you're truly his, he'll bring you back to it. Um, we've got to be obedient. If we're going to see the world saved, if we're going to see lost people come to Christ, then we have to be obedient to the, to the word. I also want you to see one last point here, and it is the sovereignty of God. This is something that, uh, that we, can, we can have a lot of confidence in. So many times we look at, uh, we have people from the outside look at things and go, well, how, how, do I, how can I have faith in something that uh, I'm not even sure, you know, where is all this going? I want you to know that we serve a sovereign God, and as I've already stated, that has had a plan since the beginning. Um, he, is, he, he laid this all down, um, even, even before Genesis. He knew what was going to happen. But in Genesis, where we see that he was going to send uh, Jesus Christ, I want you to know that all throughout the Old Testament, we have prophecy and prophecy and prophecy of Jesus Christ coming. And even though it took a long time for it to transpire, it did happen. Christ did come. He did die for his people. He did die for the church. He died so that people could have salvation. So if we look at that last part of that verse, it says, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. We have salvation today, not based on our own merit, but based on what God has done for us. And if, if I was to encourage you with anything today, it would be just to remember that, to live that out, to live that way. When you get up in the morning, remember who, who you are. Don't bask in your sins, but remember what God's done for you. Remember what, where you came from. I think if we could remind, how many days do we go and how many times do we go throughout the day and we just forget totally who we are? I mean, I do it sometimes. I'll get caught up in stuff and, and then I'll get off work and I'll head to the house. I'll, get me a big old cup of sweet tea and sit down in the rocking chair and I've totally left God completely out of my day. I've done my things. I've taken care of, of my tasks. But I haven't went to God once. I think if we could get up every morning and we could look and we could go, this is who I am. This is what God has done for me. Maybe we would live our lives a little bit differently. And I think that's where the church of Ephesus was at. Was that Paul was trying to say, look, Christ did this for you. Give him back, and we could never give back what Christ has given to us, but give back what you can, which is your life. Live for him. Love others. Because I'm sure that I was super hard to love, and I'm, sure I, and I'm sure that I still am sometimes. So if I had to encourage you with anything today, it's just to be the church. Just be who God's called you to be. Um, 
I think that if we look at the world we're living in, I think that we can see that the times are close, that the end times are coming near. Too long have we sat idle. Too long have we lived out, lived out our lives um, and put God's mission on the back, back side of everything. Um, see, I just encourage you with that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come to you once again this morning, just thanking you once again for who you are. Um, Lord, we read in this passage that we deserve death. Um, in fact, we were dead, but Lord, we, des- we deserve separation from you, a perfect and holy God. Lord, we don't deserve um, the blessings you give us. We don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve any of those things, but you give them to us anyways. It's a gift. That's what we read in this passage, passage is that through your grace, it's a gift. Through your son, Jesus. Lord, thank you. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for making a way for us. Lord, thank you for sticking to your promises. Lord, you're the same today as you always have been and you'll continue to be. Lord, help us to remember that it's not about us. Lord, as we go, through, go throughout our Christian walk, Lord, we should see ourselves starting to decrease and we should start seeing you increase, Lord. Lord, as we go throughout our day-to-day walks, help us remember who we are, that we should be a representation of you everywhere we go. Lord, and not only that, that we, that we would be bold. Lord, too many times we'll, we say, well, look, I'll get to that tomorrow or I'll do that this day. Or give us an urgency. Let us be a people of action. Lord, and above everything else, just help us to love you the way that we should. Lord, because you deserve it. Lord, we put this in your name. Amen.